0: I enjoyed your attempt earlier to come up with a collective noun for people from liberty. What do you say? Libertiers. Libertiers. Uh, Sounds like a tropical disease, doesn't it? I've come down with a bad case of libertiers. So if anyone can think of a better collective noun for us, then uh, talk to Rich afterwards. Okay. if you have a Bible with you, if you want to find uh, the book of Exodus, uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, the words will appear as if by magic on the screen behind me in a moment or two. Uh, we're in chapter 31 of the book of Exodus today, uh, and we're going to read the, the second half of that chapter um, from verse 12 onwards. So let me read this, and then I'll pray. It says, The Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say above all you shall keep my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I the Lord sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for your gift of rest that in you we find rest. The rest that we're all searching for and that we all need. And I just wanna pray for everyone that's come through these doors this morning that feels tired. Um, Maybe tired from just busyness or physical labor or maybe you feel tired and you don't really know why because you feel like your diary isn't that busy but somehow you just feel emotionally worn out. I just pray that All of us this morning would know your rest, not something we just manufacture, not like a uh, a kind of a a bit of a spiritual high that we can leave on today, but we want to know a real deep rest that we can only find in you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you be at work in all of us this morning, leading our hearts to you, drawing us ever closer to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to start with a bit of a philosophical question this morning and ask us, who owns time? Who owns time? Which seems perhaps a bit of a weird question, but often that we, we treat our time as a, as a commodity or as a, as a possession, something that we that we have that's, that's ours. So if you've ever done a job like maybe you're here and you work as a freelancer, you're very aware of, of the time that you have and you will often bill people for your time to do a certain task. Maybe that's how you consider your job, your nine to five, that those eight hours are, are where your employer pays you to get your time for that for that task. Time is something that we can earn. Some Time is something that we spend on things, on projects, on people. And we very much treat time as something that we own. It's, it's ours. It's our possession. It belongs to us. And when we have those moments when we feel like that's no longer true, that somehow our time has been... Loss that we're not owning it, that we're not in control of it, um, that, that can be a, a painful feeling. You know, maybe it's because your work has just become so overwhelming, or you've got a deadline due for a piece of study, some coursework or something that you need to hand in, and it's coming very quickly. Or even sometimes, I don't know about you, if I'm, if I'm cycling somewhere across the city, and all of a sudden... You know, there's a, there's a big hold-up, there's a jam, there's a, there's a blockage. Or maybe you're sitting on the tram and the tram breaks down and then suddenly you're aware of all this time that you're, just, you're losing and you're no longer in control of it. You feel like someone's stolen your time away from you. We very much act as though we own time. And the last few weeks we've been talking about the, the sanctuary, the tabernacle that, in the book of Exodus, God instructs Moses and his people to build. Uh, particularly last week, we were talking about the fact that this tabernacle is, is a holy space, a sanctuary where the holy God comes to dwell amongst his people, this holy space. But this week, I guess, kind of what we're talking about is not just a holy space, but holy time holy time and how we treat time, how we find rest within that. Because this section in the book of Exodus, on, in, on the, all about the tabernacle, kind of concludes on this note of the Sabbath with those verses that we just read, which can feel a bit of an odd way for that section to be, kind of be wrapped up before the book moves on to something else. God's given all these detailed instructions about how to build this tabernacle, his tent, his dwelling place, you know, what the priests should wear, what sign of, kind of incense they should burn, and then God reminds them about what he's already spoken to them about in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. He starts talking about the Sabbath. and You might think, why, why is that? What's going on here? And the best clue of what's happening is in verse 17 of that passage whereas where It says, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. This idea of time, Sabbath, rest, to put all those words up in a kind of together up here somewhere, the best way to understand them is to go back to the beginning of the story, because that's where these, these verses point to us, and we see in... Genesis chapter 2, that after God created, he rested. He creates and then he rests, and in that task, in, that, in, in what God does there, he gives us a model, something for us to imitate. And he's giving the, the Israelites, his people, a model of what it is to work and then to rest, of how to use their time. And the, if you remember, when we, as we've been going through these Versus this whole section on the tabernacle of God's house, his dwelling place, his sanctuary, that through it you have this theme of creation working through the whole story. That as the people would have, or as the high priest would have walked through the tabernacle, there would have been lots of reminders of the Garden of Eden as he walked through. In the design of the room, some of the features there, they they were supposed to remind the people of of the Garden of Eden. And what God's doing is reminding them of that all of his creation is centered around him. It's all designed for his glory, for his purposes. And even through this section on the tabernacle, we find, rather bizarrely, that seven times in this narrative, we find this phrase, the Lord said to Moses, or the Lord spoke to Moses. It's the same language that God uses in his creation story at the start of each day, where which says, and God spoke, God said, and he breathes things into life. He speaks his word and his creation is brought into order. And here as he's reconstructing his tabernacle, God's home, he's speaking to them, he's breathing new life into his people. And each time, Obviously, in the creation story, it concludes with, on the seventh day, God rested, God had his Sabbath, and the seventh time it features here is in verse 12 of this chapter, where God speaks to Moses and commands his people to Sabbath, to rest, and God's calling his people back into his new created order, his plan for human flourishing all built around him and worshipping him and knowing him. And part of this idea of Sabbath rest that he tells his people to do, is he's, he's calling them to recapture what they would have known in the Garden of Eden, what it was to rest by being with God, by walking with God, to knowing him intimately. intimately. And that's what God's calling them back into, and you might read that in Genesis and think, well, is is God is God tired? Why is why is God resting? Is he is he just knackered from all this creating? No, God rests cause he's finished. God rests cause his work is done. His created work is He's He's done what He intended to do. And now He's resting in His sovereignty, in His dominion, in His control, in His ruling over all of humanity, all of creation, all of the universe, God rests in that. And what I want us to do today is look at five ways, we talked a bit there about how God was resting, but we look at five ways of how we're to to rest, about how we're to rest. First of all, rest is, it's, renouncing autonomy. That's what rest is. It's saying, it's not all about me. It's not my time that I get to own and govern. Twice in this passage, it says that the Sabbath is like a sign, a covenant sign, like the same way that uh, after the flood, uh, God provides a rainbow for Noah and for the people. It's a sign of God's faithfulness, of his love for them. And the same way the Sabbath is a sign for us, it's a sign that God's people are set apart, that they're different, that they're they're God's people, they're to imitate his ways. And ultimately, it's a sign that God has dominion, that he's in charge, that he rules over all of his creation. And a question for us to consider is, to make this very personal for us is what, why, why are you tired? Why are you tired? It might be just because you've, I don't know, maybe you've just flown a long flight, you've been busy at work. Maybe you're, you're a mum with small children. Welcome to tiredness. <laughs> That's gonna be the next few years of your life. It feels like forever partly because it kind of is. <laughs> it's tiring being a mum. And a dad, but, you know, mums, it's more tiring, trust me. And there's, that, in a way, that's, those things are all good tiredness, you know. That's not, none of that's bad in any way. But often we can find we're, we're tired for for other reasons. That there's something deeper that's happening that means that we're Tired. There's a problem. Because tiredness can sometimes be not necessarily because we've been doing lots, but we can just feel an immense feeling of stress. Or you can just feel just burdened. You know, you can you can spend the whole day in bed and still feel exhausted. Because you just something's happened, or just every, everything's built up, it's just too much, or just emotionally, you've been carrying all these, whether it's conflict, or just troubles, or fear, or something, that's just left you feeling just spent. You don't have any energy for anything. You don't want to see anyone. Maybe even getting here today was a massive effort for you. Perhaps the main way you feel is you just feel out of control, you just feel like I've I've lost control of, maybe it's your time, just your energy, or just circumstances have just taken over. And the the human answer is, if you've lost control of something, is to take back control. If something in your life is spinning out of control, is to do something to draw it back. Maybe it's your finances. You know, they just feel a complete mess. You've just got bills to pay, you don't know how you're going to pay them. You've got credit card debt that you don't know how to get rid of. And you know that you need to somehow just get everything in order, but every time you try, you you can't, you just can't solve that problem, solve that riddle. It leaves you feeling exhausted. And... The thing is we want to try and regain control of those situations. Or when you know you've just been incredibly busy with your work, you'll deliberately, you'll try and carve out some time just to, to rest so you can kind of take back control of the tempo of your life, the busyness of your life. But the thing is that more control, more time to yourself, won't necessarily solve the problem. You could spend the evening watching Netflix, but Netflix isn't Jesus. It won't fix you. Those things that we try and do to find rest often don't work. Because the answer to a lack of rest is it's normally more than just Stopping. Although stopping's good. That's partly what this whole idea of Sabbath is about, is carving out time to stop, to, to cease. But normally, just stopping won't fix the deeper issue of what's going on in your heart. Because really, for the, the Israelites, the people in this story, The Sabbath rest was about stopping, but at the same time, it was about recognizing who has dominion. (laughs) That's why it's all wrapped around this creation story. It's not just about stopping and ceasing. It's stopping so you can recognize who's in control and also recognize who isn't in control. You renounce your autonomy. Oh, goodness, I can't fix this. Situation. I need God that's what it really is to rest is to take your eyes off of yourself and these demands and, and that's what we do when we try and rest we try and take our eyes off of ourselves but we use kind of escapism to do that this thing or that thing these distractions but true rest this Sabbath rest of resting in God is stopping to remind yourself Who's really in control? That's the best way to start with rest is to renounce any autonomy that you have and put your trust in his sovereignty, in his dominion, in his control. The second way we rest is to know God. Resting is knowing God. Because there's some funny verses that you probably noticed as we read through this passage, where it says, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Sounds a bit harsh to our modern Western ears, doesn't it? If you work on the Sabbath, you know, bad news for our setup team this morning, sorry guys, working too hard, game over. And you might think, oh the punishment doesn't really seem to fit the crime. And for you, maybe if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus, that might just be proof to you that this God, if he does exist, is angry and violent and is bad news. But what's going on in this passage is that what God's saying to his people in that by disobeying his command here, it's not that they're just not. Sabbathing, what they're doing is they're denying God because they're saying, I trust in myself, not in you. I don't need you. That's why the punishment seems harsh and seems out of place. But God's saying, well, you, you turned your back on me. We might not be under this, the, the law of this in the same way, but also we, when we don't rest properly, we're not just making lives more difficult for ourselves. we're we're turning our back on God. Because we're saying, I don't, I just, the problem here needs me to work harder to fix it. It needs me to do certain things to kind of bring it all back into order. But you can't, you need God to properly reorder your life. You need him to be able to properly rest. Because uh, obedience to God is never at our expense. Obedience to God is never at your expense. And yet we often think of it as though it is. You know, we can think about it when, you know, Rich was up here a few minutes ago talking about money. And every time you hear a, someone on a stage in a church talk about money, you might just want to switch off because you think, well, that's just all the church want anyway. And they just want my wallet. They just want my cash. And something in your heart will, will oppose it and you'll stand against it. And particularly if you're struggling with your finances, you might think, why, why will me giving money away fix my financial problem? And it's an important question to ask for me and Joe in our family life. We face that question lots and lots, where we see our regular monthly giving going out of our bank account each month, and then we see the deficit at the end of each month. And we've had seasons of our life where they've looked exactly the same. <laughs> and it's been "Wow, maybe I should, we should just stop giving then, and then we won't have this problem. It seems quite a logical thing to do. But obedience to God is never at your expense. Because, <laughs> He's not just this genie in the sky who's come to fix your bank account. He's come to give you and bring you so much more. And you'll find as as you're obedient to him, it's not necessarily an immediate fix that comes, but over the course of your life, you'll find goodness will follow. Blessing will follow when you're obedient to him. And I'm not talking about earning our salvation we're all completely in God's grace. But you'll find in just putting your trust in him and following him, sometimes in ways that feel very counterintuitive, countercultural, sometimes in ways that will make you stand out, sometimes in ways that will feel hard and challenging, you'll find God's blessing will come. His goodness will come to you as you follow him. because it says in this passage that God wants to use this rest to sanctify us, to change us. What it's there for It's an opportunity for God to break in and to remold us, to reshape us. Next one, rest is regular. Rest is a regular thing. As I already said, we, we... we found this, uh, this command to Sabbath was in the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment in uh, Exodus 20 that we look back at at the start of this year. Um, we, so we had a, a sermon on this message back in January, and we, we looked, talked about that question, do we, should we still Sabbath today? Which is an important question to ask, and, and I guess there's a, I don't have time to unpack that fully, so listen to my message back from January, and that will give a better answer. But a simple tip to do, whenever you're reading the Bible and you read bits of the Old Testament that you don't understand, is we always read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. We don't just kind of read them and make them argue against each other. You see how the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. And when it, on the issue of the Sabbath, we find that we're, we're no longer under the requirement of this command in the same way are no longer under the law. It doesn't mean the law is bad or wrong, but we're now a people who are under a new covenant, this covenant of grace. It talks in, in uh, Colossians 2 about how the Sabbath was a, is a, a shadow, but the substance we find in Christ. But if, if we want to just argue about, because different Christians will have different perspectives on this, and we could get into a disagreement about should we sabbath today and how we should sabbath. But perhaps the best question to ask is not, do I have to, but rather, I get to. Because sabbath is a gift. Not necessarily, you don't have to interpret it in the way the Jewish people do now or how the Israelites did then, but to regularly rest is God's provision to you. This is wisdom that we should receive as a gift because God wants to do us good. It's to command for our benefit. And you might have lived in a family or, or been part of a you know, church community where the idea of sabbathing became, became a duty, but it's supposed to be a delight. To rest in God is supposed to do you good. And the main reason that regular rest is does you good is is, it's good to have a regular reminder of reality. You need that, a regular reminder of what's actually true. That's why God invented sleep, to every day remind you that you're limited, (laughs) that you're flawed, that that you don't have unending reserves of energy and to remind you that you're not God. Every time you feel tired and you go to bed, it's a reminder that you're not in control, that you're not God and that you need sleep, you need rest to recover. It's God's God's gift to you. And the same is true for taking a weekly break. That's why we gather here on Sundays to worship is a, it's a regular reminder to your soul of what's really true. That's what we want this church gathering to be every Sunday. Because it might be the, perhaps the only thing or very, one of the very few things that you hear in your week that's really, really true. That's ultimately true. Because you might come in here, again, if you're an unbeliever, you might come in here and think this is all just a delusion that we're all just crackers now this is the closest thing to reality that you'll experience this week. Coming back to the gospel, coming back to Jesus, who he is, what he's done for you. That's, that's real, that's true. And through church history, Christians have interpreted the Sabbath as part of that is coming together on the Lord's Day on Sunday to worship God together. That's what the Sabbath was there for, so the Israelites could worship God. And it's very difficult as a pastor to, to stand up and tell people that they need to come to church more, because that can sound very legalistic. Come on, guys. You know, you need to up your quota of Sunday attendance. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I want to say to you is, coming here on Sundays will do you good. It might not necessarily feel like that, but it will. That listening to people like me standing up here and talking about the Bible will do you good. And it might be you wake up tomorrow morning and you don't remember a word I said. Okay, join the club. I often feel like that. (laughs) Seriously. But you know, over the course of, if I asked you what you had for breakfast on, I don't know, Tuesday eight months ago or seven years ago, you probably wouldn't be able to remember unless you have the same thing for breakfast every day, you know, Weetabix. But most of us can't remember what we had for lunch on this day two years ago. But you know that regularly eating does you good, right? Regularly just feeding does you good. That's what happens when you come to church, You're just feeding on God's word, that's what happens when you wake up and you open up your Bible and you regularly feast on the word of God, or feed your soul. And sometimes we can feel like attending church on Sunday or regularly reading our Bible or regularly praying just sound like hard, legalistic, cold, boring things to do. No, they're life-giving things. Feast on the word of God gather together with his believers and feast together on the word, worship him together, and it will do you good, it will. And there'll always be a nagging voice in your head telling you to stay in bed. That's a lie, it is. Coming here will feed your soul and you'll find rest as you do it, Sabbath rest. Rest is also freedom. In Deuteronomy 5, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God told the Israelites to keep the Sabbath, to remember that he rescued them, that they were slaves and he brought them out. And when we gather together to worship God together, when you rest, it's a reminder that he's rescued you as well. Because maybe that's, perhaps you feel a bit like that today, that this whole idea of rest is, I guess you you feel like you're caught in a, a tyranny of tiredness. You feel enslaved to it. Maybe to your work, to your career, to your studies. You, you feel like you're locked to it. You feel like you're a slave in that place. And you, you're desperate to find freedom from that feeling. You're desperate to escape from that haunting emotion. And you can find freedom from that. But as we've already said, that your freedom, your liberty, it it won't be found by you taking back control. It won't. It won't be found by you escaping, but in submitting, in relinquishing control. About Coming to God and saying, Actually, you're in control. I want to find my rescue, my freedom, my liberty in you. Because for all of us who are believers in Jesus, we're no longer slaves. That's why we've been reading through this book of Exodus over the last couple of years, so we can keep reminding ourselves that we've been rescued. He's drawn us out of our slavery. That there wasn't an evil Pharaoh, but he still has rescued us from evil, from sin. In Jesus Christ, he's rescued us and he's drawn us out to draw us into his plan and his purposes. And yet, you can still live like a slave even when you're free. We have freedom, but so often we return to our old ways and we find ourselves living like slaves again. But when you rest in God, he reminds you that you're free, that you have perfect liberty and freedom in him. And God's liberated you to enjoy, ultimately to enjoy eternal Sabbath rest. That one day the story of your whole life, the tone of everything will be that of rest. But even now, God wants you to enjoy rest in him. He wants you to work hard for sure. Work isn't bad, work's a wonderful, beautiful thing, a blessing from God. But he wants you to find rest, freedom in him. Finally, and fifthly, rest. Rest is refreshment. It says that about God here, that after he created on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. That's what it is to come and enjoy God's rest, is to find refreshment. Rest isn't just a ceasing a stopping, but it's an, an empowering thing. God wants to refresh you this morning. By his Holy Spirit, he wants to come and breathe into you new life, new blessings, new power from him, and you can find a rest in God and in his grace that will do you good. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can come to Jesus this morning, maybe even just for the first time, and you can experience his rest. Rest for your soul. Rest for all those, that deep sense within you of exhaustion, and tiredness, conflict. You can find rest in him. Doesn't mean that God comes and just fixes all your problems straight away. That you can find rest in him. We finish with a, looking back to John chapter 19. In John 19, you can read the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. But as part of that story, we find the last words that Jesus uttered on the cross as he was nailed there for us, taking our sin upon himself, bearing the wrath of God on our behalf. it said that his final words were, it is finished. And he didn't just mean that that act of him dying was finished. He meant that this battle that's warring in all of our souls is finished. Yet death is beaten. Jesus has overcome. That the anguish you can feel within you, maybe you're carrying, maybe the thing that's causing you unrest is you're just carrying guilt and shame, deep sense of unforgiveness in your heart. And Jesus says, it's finished you're free from that. You can find perfect freedom in him. What I'm trying to say is that the rest that you ultimately need is to look to Jesus. And see that he's one for you, not only eternal rest in him, but rest and refreshment for now. He wants to come and bring refreshment to your souls now the the sin that so easily entangles your life and feels like it's weighing you down he's beaten that you don't need to live in that anymore you have freedom now to walk in him and in his goodness perfect rest can be found in him let me pray and then we're going to share communion and worship together. Jesus, Sweet, we thank you now that as those who are followers of you, believers in you, Jesus, that we can find the rest that we really need is in you. That all of us face... Different moments of either stress or anxiety or fear or just the overwhelming demands of work or family life or study, all sorts of different concerns which can cripple us. And our our instinct is to is to is to look inward and try and find the answer in here to try and take back control to try and fix things. But we often find ourselves then locked into a deeper cycle of worry and God, we we want to find our rest today by fixing our eyes on you. Know that the real rest we need for our souls is found in you and you alone. The ultimate, we can now read those last words of yours, Jesus, before you died. It is finished, and we can find rest in those words. That any war we can feel going on in our soul is is finished now, it's over, because we can find our rest in you. And now you, you call us into working for you and serving for you, it doesn't mean our lives suddenly become easy, but the real big questions that hang over us are answered now in you. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that each one of us here right now would just receive your rest. I pray you would just, Holy Spirit, just breathe that into our our hearts, even as I pray, you would just breathe rest into our hearts. For those here who just feel overwhelmed, that they would just take a moment to Just renounce their autonomy and say, I'm not in control, but I know one who is. I can find rest in that. I pray that Holy Spirit, you just breathe your rest into our hearts right now. Amen.